and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. And happy April Fool's Day. This episode actually releases on April 1st, which, as we all know, is April Fool's Day. I don't know if my co-hosts have any pranks planned for the episode. I can say definitively that I do not. I am, of course, Illegal86, and I am joined by the fantastic Nerd Bomber. Hello, hello. Sorry, I don't have any good April Fool's Day jokes for you guys. I just didn't think of any. And our resident prankster, Tectic. <laughs> what, what, what do you have? Hey. Any pranks? Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. No pranks from me. All right. Well, if you're looking for pranks, I don't know. How would you pull off a prank on a podcast? Like what What would be a good prank that was audio only? Like if I pretended to have a heart attack and I like screamed, like, I don't even, I don't know what that would look like. Maybe like some, I hate to say it, but like fake news. Fake news. Yeah, I do hate, I hate even saying that phrase. All of the news here is going to be real and we have some news to talk about. Happy April to, to all of our listeners and, and of course to my lovely co-hosts. April is going to be a big month for a lot of things and it's looking like uh, we're going to have a new Call of Duty remaster to get our paws on so we'll talk about that we're gonna be talking about these new mario remasters that are rumored it's kind of a day of remasters today um and then of course we're gonna be talking about hobbs and shaw and the sequel that's coming which what a movie that was and if there's time we're gonna sneak in a little bit a little bit of zach braff because we love zach braff and we love scrubs so we'll get to that but first things first let's talk about call of duty modern warfare 2 so kind of a, a fun piece of news that I believe dropped the day that we're recording this, uh, which is Tuesday the 31st. Essentially, a surprise reveal of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered Campaign is launching on March 31st. So it's, it's launched today. I think it was actually announced yesterday. But either way, big surprise. Probably pleased a lot of people, but we have some caveats that we're going to get into. So first of all, it only launches... It launches basically a month early on PlayStation 2. So right now it's only out on PlayStation 2. So PlayStation Xbox 4. folks out there... PlayStation 4. It would not launch on PlayStation 2. <laughs> I mean, that would, that be, would be, ex- be extremely confusing to have a remaster on PlayStation 2. But uh, it's on PlayStation 4, so all of our Xboxers out there, don't go running over to the store now. First of all, don't go running to any physical store because that's dangerous. But don't go running to the Xbox. What do they call the Xbox store? Why can't I think of it? Microsoft store, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what they call it. Don't go running there because it's not there. PlayStation 4 has it exclusive for a month. And on top of that, the other kind of big caveat is that it's called Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered for a reason, meaning it is only the campaign. There is no multiplayer content whatsoever. Uh, It's just the Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered. It's exactly what it sounds like. And it's $19.99 on the PlayStation 4, well, the PlayStation Store right now. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I mean, from me, from my perspective... I got out of the Call of Duty game a while ago. I think the last Call of Duty game that I played was Black Ops. Either Black Ops or Modern Warfare 3. So, a while ago. But with that said, Modern Warfare 2 was probably like the peak of of the campaigns of the games for me. It was the best campaign I had played. One of the better, like, shooter campaigns I've played in general. How do you feel about that infamous mission being left in the game? Are you specifically not saying what the title is? Because I shouldn't say what the title is. Uh, no, I just ha- kind of had a mind blank and I couldn't remember what the name was. And well, there's a terrible, no terrible image in our group chat that came up when I went to look up what the name was. I believe it's called No Russian. And yes, that is a terrible image. This, of course, being the, the I think it's the first mission of the game is basically you are a terrorist and you are just walking casually through an airport shooting a bunch of people and it's called no russian because i think because you're not supposed to speak russian because then people will know that you're russian that is still in there now i honestly this is gonna sound bad but when i 
first played Modern Warfare 2 and I played that mission, I was very detached. Like I, I, I didn't, I don't think I fully recognized the severity of what I was doing. I was just like, okay, this is the beginning of a video game. It's a cinematic, it's a, it's a cinematic and dramatic sequence that is setting the tone. Obviously, Activision got a lot of blowback for that, and I think that was probably well-deserved. Nonetheless, it is still in the remaster. I don't know who made that decision. I feel like I would have figured out a way to take it out. If you're, if you're going to go in and do a remaster and get your hands dirty, there's probably a way to at least make that mission a little bit less divisive while also setting the tone properly. I feel yeah, like they could have maybe there. toned it down. Although I am, I mean, I guess it kind of depends how controversial your, your game is, but I am a little bit of a remaster purist, so to speak, where like when I play a remaster, I expect it to be exactly as the game was, just with better graphics and sound and game control. So sure. I'm, I'm a little like on the fence with this one because it was so controversial, but at the same time, like it was a part of the game and they did put that, that mission in there for a creative decision. Like they had a good reason that I'm a apparently assuming i don't know what it was i don't actually really remember the conversation around that super well because it feels like it was so long ago at this point but yeah i'm a little bit on the fence with that in my opinion for that decision it's already sunk costs so they've already gotten the blowback they've already explained it away and they're releasing it for the nostalgia factor which as you guys know i am a big fan of nostalgia so in my opinion they had no choice but to keep it yeah but who okay who is feeling this who who is realizing that the modern warfare 2 campaign remaster is coming out and their first thought is oh man i can't wait to play that no russian like you know what i mean like that would that's gross if that's the case if there's anyone out there who's thinking that it would feel like a different great. story i think i, I mean to, to the credit of of the quote-unquote purism that you're describing like i also think that activision probably like the article that i have in front of me it as far as i can tell does not mention the fact that no russian is still in there I haven't heard that as a, maybe I'm just not seeing it anywhere. I haven't heard that as like a specific talking point. For all we know, people would be talking about it more if they took it out and people would be hearkening back to like, oh, remember when Activision did this gross thing that like they put the, now there probably won't be as many people talking about it because, oh yeah, it's still in there and it was in there the first time and you know, whatever. I don't know. That, frankly, none of the two things, the, the no Russian being involved, the, well, the three things, I should say, no Russian being involved, the PlayStation 4 exclusivity, and uh, the fact that there's no multiplayer, none of that bothers me. Now, granted, the PlayStation 4 exclusivity doesn't bother me because I'm a PlayStation 4 person, but I, even when I was playing Call of Duty back in the heyday in which I was playing it, like, multiplayer was not as big of a deal to me as the campaign was, and I know that I'm on an island there, relative to the vast majority of the call of duty playing population see i I did enjoy i enjoyed it but it wasn't the main thing for me and yeah i think you're you're kind of on my side on this too at least a little bit i I mean i actually have never played through the majority of the campaigns like i usually buy call of duty specifically for the multiplayer i would actually say though that i'm not super bent out of shape about this because the one nice thing about the current call of duty modern warfare and i'm not talking about a remaster like the the newest release that just came out is that all of their content drops are free so I'm kind of hoping, holding out hope and being optimistic that maybe they'll suddenly remaster all of the old maps and they'll just do a content drop and anybody who has the new game will then get the maps updated. Because honestly, if they release a Modern Warfare 2 remaster multiplayer version, they're going to split their current player base. Because as it is, the player yeah. base is still split up between World War II and I think people are still playing Black Ops 3 and now Modern Warfare. So I think if they add another version of multiplayer then it's just going to split up the people where you already have modern warfare kind of 
doing that style game. So just import those maps in and make people happy. Is it maybe yeah. advantageous to split it up from a server standpoint? I mean, maybe now because uh. there are so many people in the world probably playing video games. And that, that's the other thing that kind of irks me about the exclusivity. Like, I'm sure that business deal was already in place well before the coronavirus hit. It does feel a little like rough if you're an Xbox player and you're stuck at home for a month knowing that this campaign that you really loved, if you wanted to play it as a remaster, you have to wait another month. But I mean, like that business deal was probably already in place. How much is PlayStation, like how much is Sony getting out of the fact that they, what's the benefit there? Like, uh, are they paying Activision extra to get it? A month in advance and if they are why do they think that that's valuable i think they definitely do because i mean so you i feel like you have a lot of households and it probably not the majority but you do have a lot of households like ours where you do have both an xbox and a playstation so for me sometimes if i was like that dead set on playing a game i will get it for whatever console it released first on because i'm not really married to either one i don't really care so like with sure. kingdom hearts 2 or kingdom hearts 3 also, like I played that on the PlayStation, even though I'm more of an Xbox player, simply because it, it came with more stuff. I think the pre-order bonus was better. And I, I could be talking out of my ass there. Don't quote me on that. But like also, that was just where I always played Kingdom Hearts. So like there is some benefit to having exclusivity, I think. I, I would be curious to see like the, sta- the statement that you made that a lot of households have both consoles. I'd be curious to see the data on that because I initially, I think you're right, first of all. I would initially have thought that they were doing that, getting the exclusive deals to convince people, hey, you should buy a PlayStation 4 instead of an Xbox One because look, we get early exclusives. And granted, that would be silly because this console generation, the war here is, is fought and won and it's over. But in terms of what you're saying, which is there are multiple consoles in a household, then yeah, it makes a little bit more sense. And I do agree that it's not the best look. I think you're right that it probably happened well before any of this started, but like, it's not the best look for them to say, oh, you want this game? People stuck inside? Well, if you have an Xbox, you can't have it yet. Come back in a month. I also don't, I'm trying to think, why did I think that you were the person that I knew that plays Call of Duties for the story like me? Clearly you're not. I must be thinking of somebody else. Is it Tactic, maybe? It might be. It's either Tactic or it might be, this is throwing it back, it might be Firestorm 501. No, I play him for the stories. It's me. And it might be him. It's too. you. I think it's. I think it also might be him. Shout out to Firestorm 501. He hasn't been on this podcast. Has he been on this podcast or is he on the, the last podcast? Doesn't matter. I think he had been on one, potentially, way back in like the early days, point. but I don't remember. Yeah. We should get him back Shout on out again. To him. We should get him back on. I mean, he's probably, he's probably free, right? At this point. Aren't we all? I want, we're right. One other thing I want to mention, and this is not at all related to the fact that there's a remaster coming, which by the way, I would, I mean, I don't think I would pay nineteen ninety nine for a remaster, but I think it's a great idea. And I think the, again, the campaign is really fantastic for Modern Warfare 2 if you've never played it. But why, oh why? And I've wanted to ask this question for a while. Why couldn't they call the newest Call of Duty something else besides Modern Warfare? That's going to get confusing eventually. And even if it's not now, like, think about 20 years from now. We're going to be like, remember Call of Duty Modern Warfare? It's like, oh, you mean the 2010 one or the 20? Like, it's just dumb. Why would they do that? I think they wanted to kind of do that throwback and give a callback to the type of play style from the Modern Warfare original series, but also show that it was like a newly updated version. Because honestly, it is one of the better Call of Duties that I've played in a while. I think World War II was a lot of fun for me coming off the heels of like advanced warfare and all of the new black ops that had a lot of jetpacks and what is it infinite warfare was in space and i just it didn't feel like call of duty to me and so going back to things like world war ii and then modern warfare and because modern warfare two and three were some of my favorite games like those are my if 
I mean, I wasn't a really early COD player, but those were my like first exposures to Call of Duty. And I think I had the most fun with those. So it has a lot of callbacks to that. And I have a lot of fun with Modern Warfare. And I think that nostalgia is what they're trying to draw on. So essentially, they want to have their cake. They want to have their cake and eat it, too, is what you're saying. Exactly. That's a yeah. good answer. It's, you've, had, you've had a lot of good answers. You're, you're, you're turning into my Call of Duty source. I've, I've been asking these questions. You have a lot of good answers. Tactic, she is crazy good at it. So it's. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I just I have a positive KD, finally, after being quarantined for three weeks. All right. I Yeah, go ahead. If you're listening, Call of Duty developers, Call of Duty, all the warfare. Just all of it. Right. All time, yeah. I'm trying to think of what what another word for that is, but just every war, just involve every war. All of duty, so much warfare. Omni war. Well, it's kind yeah. of what what was it? Battle. Battlefield. Battlefield. The battlefield. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you can't tell, I'm like kind of I'm starting to go stir crazy. So like, I haven't talked to enough people, and words are just not coming to me properly. But yeah, I think but you have positive KD. One, yes. So that's good. Battlefield one <laughs> kind of like drew a little bit from all of the different wars over the eras. So that's. Maybe Call of Duty could do something like that, but it's already kind of been done. So I don't know. I'm just rambling now. We can move on. Before we, well, before we move on, because you, you talked about KD, which positive KD, good, good job. That has me thinking about like when I did, when I was into the Call of Duty multiplayer, which I think, there's, well, there's a difference because like Call of Duty split screen multiplayer, that was like Call of Duty 2 for me. I was really into split screen multiplayer because that's what we did back then. But like in terms of the online play, for me, it peaked with Modern Warfare 1. And I'm not talking about the current one. Obviously, I'm talking about the one that was, again, way back in whatever it was, 2005 or something. And, man, I got really into that. And I also got I, I, I got really frustrated by it, too. But, like, it was great. It was amazing. Like, the, the, the system they put together with the, the perks and the all the different weapon attachments, and they had it figured out. And, I, granted, I think that's probably very similar to the system they have now, and it's been the system for a long time. But yeah, I, would I have fond memories of that. If you're trying to dip your toes back into call of duty which i'm sure you're not actually but if you did want to i think modern warfare would be a good jumping back in point because it, it does it feels familiar but also new right i mean at this point i would consider dipping my toes back into call of duty but, but the point i was trying to make and the question i was going to ask before i move on is what's your all-around favorite call of duty game because for me it's modern warfare i think i still like modern warfare 3 that was my favorite one Tactic. I'm trying to remember which was the first one to add gun game to it. And uh boy, that was after my time. I have no idea. I think it I think it was the Black one, Ops 2. I think it was Black I Ops. Guess. I think it was the first Black Ops that introduced gun game. And yes, I know they weren't the first people people to do gun game. It was Counter-Strike, but man, I love that mechanic. It, it kind of levels the playing field for everyone and and it's anyone's game and that's that's when it really sold it for me, especially on the online online multiplayer. It is super fast paced. I do love gun game. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Black Ops, but Black Ops also had a pretty good story too. That's that's a good answer. They're all good answers. Call of Duty, whether you like it or hate it, their their product is typically very consistent. If as long as you're not talking about like what what was the bad one? Ghosts. Call of Duty Ghosts. Oh yeah, there was that. Advanced Warfare didn't have great reception either. I think Infinite Warfare didn't have good multiplayer, but the story was really good. We actually we played that one during a 24-hour gaming campaign for Extra Life, and I think we almost beat it. It had Jon Snow in it. Damn, Kit Harrington. Mm-hmm. That's a big get for them. Yeah, the story was actually pretty good, but I don't think many people played it. Well, there you have it. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered, which by the way is a is a mouthful, uh, is out now on PlayStation 4 and will be out in a month uh on pc and xbox one so be on the lookout for that also in the field of remasters we have to talk about 
the new Mario remasters that are apparently reportedly in the planning stage, or rather, they're in the development stage, I think, active development stage, to mark Mario's 35th anniversary. So, reportedly, the remasters are to be revealed alongside some new information about the theme park, which I think we talked about last season sometime. And apparently, there's also an animated Super Mario movie that Nintendo is working on with Universal, which... Boy, I have a lot of questions about that, but that's not the topic here. Apparently that reveal was supposed to originally happen at E3, but now that E3 is, you know, dead. Is E3 dead officially? I mean, it should be. Yeah, I think it is officially dead. It's going to be rolled out some other time, presumably soon. And and what we've heard since then, since that kind of initial leak, is that some of the confirmed remasters are Super Mario 64, Super Mario Galaxy, and Super Mario Sunshine. So again, we can kind of just... just talk a little bit about this i don't think there's as many downsides here potential downsides as there are with the call of duty remaster i mean mario is timeless right like like i think they're gonna they could remaster the same seven mario games for a hundred years and people would still buy them because it's generational like i think i mean put it this way when i got a nintendo ds way back when it first came out when i got it one of the first games i bought was super mario 64 for ds and guess what it was amazing and like they they added some like little mini games to it to make it more DS-y, but f- for the most part, it was just Super Mario 64. It was just the same exact game. They can do that, again, for 100 years, and I think people would continue buying it because it's not a graphical experience necessarily. It's just a, it's a gameplay experience. Well, I think Mario so, is such an iconic game with iconic characters that everybody loves. Like I honestly do not know a single person that doesn't like the Mario franchise. I think... If right. you don't like Mario, you kind of have no heart because, <laughs> I mean, they're just so cute and adorable. I mean, it's they're a weird little, thing to not like. Yeah, yeah, it's super weird if you don't like it. I and, like the games are just really good. They're family games, good individual games. Like if you're an adult, if you're a child, you're going to have fun with Mario. I disagree that they're all perfect because Yoshi's Crafted World is the first Mario themed game that did not. That's ha- not Mario. Yes. That's not Mario. But there is my point is there is a formula that that sometimes does not work. Well, the Super Mario Sunshine that was fantastic. That the Craft of World not so much. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it didn't work for us because we came off the heels of Luigi's Mansion Three and we expected a little bit too much of it. And Luigi's Mansion Three was just an amazing game. Like it, in terms of even it blew away a lot of triple A super actiony titles that I've played on other consoles. Like it was that good of a game and I was not expecting it to be. And so I think it paled in comparison when you when you try to put Yoshi's Crafted World, which is a good game in its own right, but it's doing a completely different thing with Luigi's Mansion 3. It's just not going to be the same experience. That's fair. Here's my thing is that like, look, you if you buy a Switch nowadays, you can still get like the classic NES games on it and people are still buying NESs like to an extent do you even have if you're nintendo do you even have to remaster mario super mario 64 or can you just tell switch people here you go pay us ten dollars and you can have it on your switch well i think think that alone would attract people it would attract people but i think there's a couple things that play here first of all you've got the anniversary of mario so you need to play up with that and then if you got to keep in mind that at the end of this year supposedly you've got the new xbox and playstation launching and as the switch i mean the switch has been out for a couple years now and you if you have a title like mario that could draw in even like the non-hardcore gamer group and you have someone on the fence who's a little more casual and they're like oh do i want to get an xbox or playstation or do i want to like relive my childhood and play this awesome remaster of mario you might then draw them into getting a switch instead 
which I think is pretty I smart. Mean, I agree that that for the 35th anniversary, they need to like add a little zhuzh. But like at the same time, I don't know if if I had any amount of money to spend on a new console, I don't know how much being able to play Super Mario Sunshine again would necessarily like sway me one way or another. I, I think for the existing fan base, it's a great thing. And I think I think you could attract some new gamers that, like you said, are casual gamers. But I don't know, like if if there are people who are at the decision point, I don't know if that's going to if that's going to sway them necessarily. So for reference, Animal Crossing is not a hardcore game by any means. And I, I would argue that Animal Crossing New Horizons, which we'll talk about later on in our What Are You Up To segment, is more or less the just an updated upgraded version of the old animal crossings tech can you confirm or deny that i can confirm and if you look at what that did in driving switch sales i mean obviously we're also in a weird scenario where it's the time of coronavirus and people are looking for say, things there's a lot of ex- but like extenuating circumstances but i get your point you cannot find a switch literally you cannot go on an online retailer in the united states and find a switch i believe at this point and you can I mean, there's Xbox and PlayStation exclusives and something as simple, and I don't want to use that word as a demeaning thing with Animal Crossing, but it's not like this huge technical achievement, but something as simple as Animal Crossing drove enough console sales that you cannot find that console. And some of it is Nintendo's like limiting stock, but if you went in the store before Animal Crossing, you would have been able to find consoles no problem. So, so I think I would, the simplicity of Mario and just having that good nostalgia will draw people back in. I don't disagree. I would, however, I would, I would argue, and I don't have the data for it. I don't know if the data for it exists, but I am pretty sure that the current console shortage has a lot more to do with with COVID than it does with Animal Crossing. I mean, Animal I, I, Crossing I with, though wrecked a bunch of sales records. No, sure, and they had specific Animal Crossing bundles that they released and yeah those all sold out but guess what else did like every other switch model like you said i like i'm looking for one right now like kate and i have talked about buying one and we're looking very seriously at it but right now you can't get them and 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 half of that is the fact that nintendo just typically limits demand anyways but the other half of it is that their factories have been shut down for however long so just not making as many anymore i think i mean i i don't want to diminish what animal crossing has done and and what it has accomplished and like yeah i think a lot of people probably did buy switches just to play animal crossing but i think a far greater percentage of the current switch mania is related to the fact that oh i'm gonna be inside for you know however long it's gonna be 60 days or something i might as well finally bite the bullet and buy a switch because that's again that's like that's where we are in this household is like well we've been talking about it for literally over a year now seems like a pretty good time to do it granted it's not because we can't get one but you get the point what is your favorite Mario? Like, what what Mario? Because I've only played sixty four, and <laughs> I'm sorry to say that I only played sixty four and Sunshine. I didn't even beat Sunshine. So, like, which one to you would you most want remastered to buy? For me, it would be Sunshine because I would want to beat it finally. I really, really enjoyed Super Mario Sunshine. However, my absolute favorite was the OG screen scrolling Super Mario Brothers, and I'm talking. The secret Luigi levels unlocked, everything, the whole nine. That was my absolute favorite, favorite one. And if they had like a a toggle switch where you can go from side scroller to first person view in that game, I think that would really kind of bring it to the new generation. Similar to what they do in a lot of remastered games where you click the the D-pad or something and the graphics just tweak. So that's... 
Interesting. I w- that was not an answer I was expecting. I was expecting you to say 64 because I think 64 is probably like the canonical answer. I just think that would be a way more revolutionary remaster perspective that would really kind of totally change the game, so to speak. 64 would not be hard to remaster. And like also, if you want to play 64 right now, you can go get an emulator and do it on your computer. It's not that hard. Like that's what I did last time I played 64. So like I think people will get more utility out of something you just like what you just said which is a little bit more revolutionary or something like sunshine you know which is a little bit more complex than 64 was i would personally love to see there are three games mario games that i've actually never played that i've always wanted to play and i know um sunshine and obviously mario galaxy were already confirmed and those were two of them but i would love to see paper mario because I never got a chance to play that. I was not a really big Nintendo household as a kid. I always had Sony consoles and then I got the 360 and have, I think the Switch was my first like hardcore Nintendo phase. So I really want to play Paper Mario. It's a weird one that I want to play, but I hope they remaster it because I really want to play it. Never played that one. Yeah, that one seems like one that, because I we were a, a Nintendo household when I was growing up, but that one just for whatever reason slipped through the cracks. I mean, again, I, I think like, 64 and sunshine were both as far as i remember release titles like i'm pretty sure sunshine was a was a gamecube release title and what a game i mean i never beat it because my little brain when i was younger couldn't handle how to beat this i remember the part very specifically that i didn't i couldn't just couldn't figure out how to beat it but it was awesome oh my god it was so great and obviously so was 64 and i'm sure galaxy is too i just never played it so we want to hear from you guys uh on the social meds hit us up on the social meds uh which super mario or rather which mario remaster are you most excited for or which one are you hoping that they announce hit us up uh at ow legal 86 at ow tactic at ow nerd bomber we're all on the twitter i appreciated all the animal crossing tweets we got last week i should have been expecting that i guess y'all tell me how, how it really is and i i appreciate that so we want to hear from you more continue educating me please Right now, we're going to take a short break, as we often do. But before we do, I would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. Uh, ben Ben Checkness is a name that you guys all know at this point, or at least any people who are, have been listening for more than one episode, because we shout him out all the time, because he is a loyal and fantastic supporter of ours, and he supports us on Patreon. And you can get more of the details there by going to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. And we have three tiers of support. Uh, the first tier, the night tier, is the tier at which Ben will be supporting us, or Ben Ben is supporting us, and hopefully will continue to support us. Uh, and as a result of supporting us at the night level, Ben gets access to the monthly secret segment and the monthly vlog. He also gets the producer shout out every episode like this one, and he gets input into our weekly game segment, which will come later. And he also gets the occasional guest spot, which he has gotten a few times now. Um, so if you want to be like Ben, you can hit us up at the night level. Uh, if you aren't quite as cool as Ben, that's understandable. And you can instead support us at the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And you can also support us at the page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So again, uh, the details for that are at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. We would love for you guys to help us out. We love doing this and hopefully you guys enjoy listening. So with that in mind, let's take a short break and hear from some of our friends. Hey everybody, this is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Realms and Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan favorite characters, 
high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back. Uh, we are here back now after a, uh, it was a longer break for us. We spent a lot of time just shooting the breeze there uh, to talk about Hobbs and Shaw, uh, or rather the fact that Hobbs and Shaw is unsurprisingly getting a sequel. So Hobbs and Shaw, of course, is part of the Fast and Furious cinematic universe, which has to be to me one of the most baffling cinematic universes in terms of like how it became a cinematic universe. But um, for those that don't know, Hobbs and Shaw are played by... Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham, respectively. And uh, Dwayne Johnson has publicly said, quote unquote, we are developing now the next film, the next movie, and I'm pretty excited about it. We just got to figure out the creative right now and the direction we're going to go. Now, again, this is not super surprising for anyone who has seen the movie. Although I think the movie was movie at the end very specifically seeds what the next movie is going to be. But I'm not sure if it's the next Hobbs and Shaw movie or the next Fast and Furious movie. And that's partially because I haven't seen any of the other Fast and Furious movies besides Hobbs and Shaw and like half of Fast and Furious 1. I don't know how to feel about this. Like Hobbs and Shaw was the most ridiculous movie that you like. Imagine the most like broed out stupid action movie that you can I can imagine. explain it. Michael Bay. And that's exactly what it was. And family. Well, right. And, and, and crazy. Like Michael Bay doesn't even direct it. But like it is basically a Mike. Is it, that's exactly right. It's Michael Bay, but like they're like, let's not let's be different than Michael Bay and like try to have a heart about like family and family. And then they like yeah, and then they do it, and it's weird. And like although that's more, that's more of a Vin Diesel thing, what you just did, Papa but, John's. <laughs> but it's like it's the thing is, it's such a ridiculous movie, and it's so dumb. And you're watching it, and you're like, this is so this is so dumb. But I enjoyed myself. Like, you enjoy yourself watching it because it is so shamelessly what it is. Like, it knows that it's ridiculous. It knows full well. It's like, okay, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is pulling down a helicopter with his bare hands. And guess what? We are fine with that. Aren't you guys okay with that? I mean, did you watch the last Fast and Furious, the Fast 9 trailer? Like, they're, like, going off cliffs. Like, there's they got, they got chains attached to the cars. They're being pulled through the air. It doesn't make any sense. It's all nonsense. But at this point, they know their business model as a cinematic universe is to lean into that as hard as they th- possibly can. So as someone who was a really big Fast and Furious fan back when it was like the original Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, all about the cars, all about the racing type thing. Yeah, it's not about that anymore. No, it's not at all. And it basically pivoted real, really hard. Was it like Fab Five or Fast Five or whatever it was called? Was that when it really did the pivot? <laughs> it's, not, it's not Fab Five, that's for no. sure. I, I think I, I think Fast Five, they, they got heisty, right? Like that was yeah. the thing is they're like, okay, now we're going to be heist movies and like we're going to be like get people out of prison movies and like I, I i guess my understanding is that they're kind of like this super team of like when something bad happens the government calls them and it's like we need your team of like people who can drive fast or something to go i, I don't know i haven't seen the recent movies i just know that they're like driving on ice caps and like driving off of cliffs and like driving out of buildings yeah basically and once then, it like, hit that point they said you guys remember physics forget physics leave that exactly. behind we are but doing my point this. is but my point is they're leaning into that and it is undoubtedly working so like i want to know from you guys my question for you guys is what is you have to you have to subtitle the next house and shaw movie 
what's it going to be? Because for me, I think they're going to space. I think I think the no end way. game of Fast and Furious is there is at some point they go to space. space and that's is the only slow. place that ends. Getting there is fast, but like when you're just jumping around, it's kind of slow. Not really They're on the moon. Picture this. They're on the moon driving around in the craters. I mean, come on. People are going to pay to see that. No. I pay to see that. I think I they'll take like to the skies, but I don't think they'll take it to the moon. Like I could see them jumping in like a fighter jet. Yeah, like fast meets top gun. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise will be in it. Well, but that's not a car. Like, the thing is, first of all, they already dropped cars out of a plane. That was in... I think that was Fast 8. I think it was Fate of the Furious. Yeah, but that was a cargo... They, that was a cargo plane. Well, fine. But my point is, they always have to be... They, they have to be driving cars. That's part of it. You can't put them in planes. Then it's not Fast and Furious anymore. Then it's Flyboys. Remember that Fly... The Flyboys movie with James Franco? Then you're doing Flyboys. You're doing Stealth or Top Gun. You're not doing Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious, you're in a car or a truck, something with a gas pedal and a steering wheel. It is a car, but then when you press the button on the steering wheel, it has wings. Oh my God, like a Transformer type thing. Please, yes. Now, okay, a Transformers Fast and Furious crossover, that's got juice. I will say that. I mean, like Hollywood, if you're listening, that's a bankable idea. If you get Michael Bay involved in a movie that is basically already a Michael Bay movie, imagine the possibility. Imagine Vin Diesel driving the optimus prime truck i don't think there's enough dynamite in the world for this combination <laughs> i mean just imagine i mean it's, uh, first of all again transformers is another franchise that i've lost track of completely is optimus prime he he doesn't even, he always gets killed and he comes back right that's all the whole gist of it he he dies they're like oh no he died and then he comes back is that fair to say that it's happened i don't know it's happened i think it's happened in multiple movies i actually the last transformers movie i ever saw i saw with you guys at a drive-in movie theater remember this back when, remember back when we used to be able to go outside <laughs> we went we went to see transformers age of extinction oh that's right forget it yeah what did what did mark uh Wahlberg say when he found a transformer no no i'm not doing it i'm not doing the mark you Wahlberg have impression. to you gotta give it to it's, us i'm telling you it's first secret segment secret segment in april i will do the mark Wahlberg impression oh yeah i'm excited I'm dangling the, the Patreon support in all of our listeners' faces right now. If you want to hear me do a Mark Wahlberg impression that, frankly, is not very good. Oh, it's amazing. You do not want to miss it. <laughs> head over to our Patreon. The other thing about House and Shaw that I want to mention, because we, we should circle back to the original topic, is they had some crazy cameos in that movie. At this point, Hobbs, when people hear Hobbs and Shaw 2, everyone wants to get into that movie. I mean, for those that have not seen Hobbs and Shaw, Ryan Reynolds made a cameo and Kevin Hart made a cameo. Frankly, at a time when both of them were at very high levels of star power, especially Ryan Reynolds. So at this point, the question is, who can Hobbs and Shaw, and better yet, who can the Fast and Furious franchise not get? Like, who is not going to sign up? They got freaking Helen Mirren. I mean, serious actors are taking these roles because they're fun and people want to just be in it. I'll bet you Tom Hanks would not ever agree to be in a Fast and Furious anything. I'd love to see it, though. Oh my God. Would I, I, Tom Hanks would be like the president. He'd be like, I'm above all this, you know? Oh man, this is a good question. I think Tom Hanks is a pretty good answer. I think like, okay, I'll tell you what, Morgan Freeman would do it. He would, he would definitely be it. in that movie. Yeah. He's, he's done, like probably already trying to do it. I mean, I feel like he's done a lot of that type of movie, like the kind of spy stealthy movie that's not super serious. I can, did, I can uh, picture him being like a rough on the edges, neck tack two kind of guy, honestly. He did uh, Wanted. You see, wanted. It's not that similar, but it's like kind of similar, and it's like a pretty ridiculous action movie. So yeah, Morgan Freeman will do anything for the right price. I would love uh, to see Bruce Willis in it too, 
Like, I know that's not that far-fetched because he... That could definitely He happen. does that, but, like, I would love to see that kind of crossover interaction between all of the bald guys. Because they're all I'm bald. Sure. So that would be that would be something. I think it was... So, in Hobbs and Shaw, um, there's also, like, a character that very specifically only talks through, like, a... It's hard to, it's hard to explain. It's like a disembodied voice, like, talking through a speaker. And especially by the end of the movie, you're wondering who it is. And it's like, that's the thing that they're holding back for the next movie or the next Hobbs and Shaw movie. And I'm pretty sure it was speculated that it's Keanu Reeves. And like Keanu Reeves being in Fast and Furious is just a matter of time. I feel like he's one that like, that's a low hanging fruit in terms of like ones that Fast and Furious could, could pick and have for themselves. I'm thinking of the bald men thing though, because that's, that's pretty compelling. Like imagine Bruce Willis and Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel and no hair so I mean, shiny yeah every time the sun <laughs> glints over the horizon just bing. they would fight just by like trying to direct their bald-headed glare at each other oh my god listen hollywood if you're taking notes transformers fast and furious crossover and also bald men fight uh both would be pretty good anyways we're gonna move on but that ought to be interesting i don't think there's a release date for it yet but um suffice to say it's coming it's in it's in the pipe and again, it was it was only a matter of time because it makes it makes perfect sense. Uh, Fast Nine, I should note, has been delayed a whole year, basically until April of next year. Uh, so presumably, the Hobbs and Shaw sequel is not going to be before that. It might not even be that soon after that. But we'll be on the lookout for it. Uh, before we move on to what are you up to Wednesday? One quick piece of news that we added at the last minute and want to mention uh, is that Zach Braff and Donald Faison have teamed up for a scrubs we rewatch podcast this being uh essentially the latest in a in a line of celebrities who are essentially doing things like this figuring out inventive ways to create home content uh for people to enjoy i'm all for it uh this podcast is called fake doctors real friends with zach and donald uh i think the first episode is available again the day that we're recording this the 31st of march so for all the listeners now you can go watch go listen to it right now on iHeartRadio. Uh, I'm not sure if it's anywhere else. The article I have in front of me just says iHeartRadio. But are you guys Scrubs fans? We are Scrubs fans. We actually just finished up a rewatch of the entire show. I think, what was it, two or three months ago? It was right before Christmas we finished it up. I love Scrubs. Great show. Except the last so, season. Weird. But all in all, great I, show. I don't think I ever watched season nine. The one where they're at medical, medical school? Yeah, not yeah. great. It felt like a different show. It was supposed to be a different show. Like, I think even... Yeah. The producer said it was supposed to be a spinoff, but then they didn't want it to, like the, the network, what was it, NBC at the time, didn't want it to be a spinoff. They wanted to keep it under the Scrubs mantle, and it just was not good. Well, it switched networks is what happened. I think it switched to like ABC that last season or something, and everything got all messed up. In, in any case, I'm a huge Scrubs fan also. Um, I hurt my back recently, um, just to kind of bleed into our What Are You Up To Wednesday. Uh, I hurt my back this week. And I was just thinking about the time that Dr. Cox hurts his back and is trying to prove to everyone that he's not, his back is fine. And that was what I felt like. Um, Scrubs is a great show. You should, you should go. That'd be a great quarantine binge. Um, do, why do you think they're bringing it on now? Like, do you think specifically, I'm thinking they probably saw the success of Office Ladies? Because I feel like that's the other like top tier yeah. show that's doing a rewatch podcast. And that thing has taken, I feel like the world by storm. If you're an Office fan more or less you're listening to that podcast. So I'm wondering if maybe that's why they decided now is a good time. Because I know in the past, Zach Braff has been pretty persistent that Scrubs is behind him and he won't revisit it. So it seemed a little weird to me that he decided to do this. 
but well i think this is a little different i I think what he means is that he doesn't he doesn't want to do a reunion he doesn't want to do any revamping of the show but i mean if you follow him on twitter he talks about it all the time he makes jokes about scrubs all it's i don't i think his relationship with it is super positive and i think that him and i know him and donald Faison are also like still very close friends so i think again they probably just saw it as not only is it because of the success of the office ladies which is a whole nother thing but because of what we're going through right now they figured hey this isn't we're, we're not busy obviously this is an easy way for us to uh spread positivity so I mean, I would hope that that's what the reason is. Either way, I'm on board. I'll probably listen to some of it. I mean, I would have to imagine they have some pretty crazy insights on what went on on that show. So I'm super interested to see if they will watch that final season or if they will consider that that won't be like canon part of the show and they'll just skip it. You know, that's actually a really good question. I'm Uh, all in for that. That train wreck. That's not going to be for a while, presumably, but it could be very interesting for sure. So we'll have to check back with them. Into What Are You Up To Wednesday? Uh, I'm going to go first today. So I, Okay, so I mentioned I hurt my back. That's not very interesting. Started a new television show that I want to talk to you about. It's a little show called The Wire. Have you guys heard of The Wire? I it was have in like heard of the, the 2000s. Yeah, it was like, it's now considered one of the greatest shows ever. Um, it's about crime in Baltimore, which is a very, that's a very broad way to put it, but that's kind of what it is so far. I'm into it. We've watched, I think, three or four of the hour-long episodes, and I'm feeling it. Um, Other than that, uh, finishing up Little Big Planet 3 uh, in co-op mode, the final boss is actually pretty challenging, which is unlike how the rest of the game has gone, so that's interesting. Um, So we're working on that. I'm going to be looking for a new game at some point soon, but I'm also still doing all the online board gaming, and I want to shout out one board game specifically, which is called Role Player. Um, basically you make a Dungeons and Dragons character out of dice, which for fear of getting into the weeds, I'm not going to go any further into this, into the description than that, but shout out to anyone of our listeners who've played role player. And if you haven't go check it out. Just, just to ask, is it like you have a bunch of categories and traits and things like that and you roll to build your character so you don't have to be really any kind of decision maker? Essentially. So so you, you do have traits, like you have constitution, dexterity, intelligence, charisma, strength, stuff like that. And you those are all rows and you, you basically roll dice and you, you draft dice with other players and you put those into your specific rows um, in an attempt to try and fulfill the attributes of your class, which could be like a druid or a paladin um, or warrior, things like that. Um, you also have like a backstory that requires that you get certain colors of dice and that's a lot more complicated. And then there's like skills and traits that you can establish and, um, weapons you can buy, armor you can buy, uh, stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like Sagrada. If you guys ever played Sagrada, it's, there's a similar dice drafting mechanic. Sounds very Dungeons and Dragons to me. Yeah. It's the, the character design is all, all based around Dungeons and Dragons. It's just the dice element is, is kind of the different thing. And you, you don't actually like fight any monsters or anything. You're essentially just like building your character. That's playing the game. is just the act of building your character. So it's pretty cool. I'd recommend it. I would also just generally recommend Tabletopia to anyone who is looking for a way to play board games in our new quarantine life. Um, I've been very, very pleased with it and very pleasantly surprised with it uh, overall. So does that have voice that's chat it for me? Uh, we use Discord for the voice chat. Does not, as far as I know, have voice chat built into it. Um, but you know, using Discord or even just using Skype works just fine. So Very it's cool. pretty cool. 
uh, Nerd Bummer, what do you have for us today? Okay, so I am going to talk about Animal Crossing and I'll let Tactic talk about Tiger King. We're, we're both kind of going to like intermingle these oh, here because we've both done both of these things. So I bought Animal Crossing and I have to admit this is my first experience with Animal Crossing and it's kind of why I wanted to talk about it in case there are other people out there who have never played the game. And so for me, I'm not a big like Minecraft person. We talked last week too about how like The Sims, I get to a certain point and then I just like nope out of it. And yeah. when you have kids, right? Yep, exactly. Um, but with Animal Crossing, <laughs> it's strangely addicting and I didn't think I would be the type to like super enjoy it. But there's a lot of menial tasks that you have to do day after day. And essentially what happens is you accept a package when you start the game to move to this deserted island and you're just given a tent and that tent and the travel and everything has a certain amount that you have to pay back the president of Nook Incorporated, Tom Nook. Um, so originally you do that by earning miles, which is like doing random tasks around the village. You get like rewards points for it and you can pay off your tent. Um, and then you have to basically harvest materials, craft things for yourself for other people who live on your island. You can fish, you can find resources, you can go to other mysterious islands to see like what different type of fruit grows there. Um, and then eventually you pay off your tent and you can get a bigger house, which then leads you to be able to craft decorations for your house, which sounds like a kind of a dumb then like cycle of play because then you just pay off your house to get a bigger one and then get more stuff to craft. And it's like a never ending game loop. But it's it super addicting and very relaxing. And I've found myself sinking so much time into this game, just going around and like whacking trees to get wood and harvesting different fruits to come back to my island and plant them. And it's super satisfying. And I am really enjoying it a lot more than I thought. So I want to say, add one additional thing <laughs> on to that. So I hope you guys remember the story I told where when I originally played the GameCube version of this game and I had done the grind to, to be the first person to complete my house. And then my brother got all these this gold and beat me to it. And he and I was real salty about it. I am reliving this exact scenario with Nerd Bomber here in that she's the one grinding to get the house paid off. And then I traveled to this island that had like basically unlimited money in the form of tarantulas because you could sell them and they're they're very, very expensive. So in one island visit, I got all this money and she was like, how do you pay off your house so quickly? And I've been grinding and I'm just like, wow, it it feels good to be on the other end of this. Yeah. So like for <laughs> reference, every day so far that I've played, Tom Nook, who is the president of the island, gives you different tasks. So like when new people move to the island, somehow, even though I'm just an islander here and I'm working to pay off my mortgage and whatnot... I'm tasked with clearing a space for them to put their house and then also making them furniture out of the goodness of my heart. I have to find the materials and craft it myself. And so like all of my materials are wiped out by the time I set up the three spots and all of the furniture for these new people to move in. And then Tectic gets all basically gets to keep all of his resources, but then benefit from these new people moving to our island. Because as we talked about, I think last week on a Nintendo Switch if you have one console, which we do, that's the only console we didn't double up on. Um, if you are playing on the same Switch, you live on the same island. And so basically the first player to play, which was me, 
has more of the story-driven tasks, and the second player can just kind of like derp around, and they get like the DIY recipes to craft things based on what the first player has done. So essentially, I do all the work and use all of my resources, and Tactic is just over here being able to fish, catch tarantulas, and just build a giant mansion. So you're calling him a freeloader? Pretty much. Sounds like. Yep. Wow, drama. It's good life. Well, keep us updated on that, I guess. On top of that... um, fun little competition we got going um i've also played gotten deeper into the last of us and the more and more oh, yeah I, the more and more i play the more and more it it's starting to really freak me out on, on, a, on a really deep personal level i just can't help to but to see the parallels with the quarantine and and what, what if we have this and are the people that are don't believe coronavirus is a real thing. Are they the ones that would hide their bites? I'm seeing that all over social media. So I keep having to walk away from this just to kind of take a breath and go, okay, this isn't real. You're you're being a crazy person. And then I'll go, you know, fish in Animal Crossing or something. Or watch Tiger not, King. And then, thank yeah, you. And it then, sounds like a good a good balance um, right, it, it just, between games. You, you, you need to snap back to reality. And then the other thing, as Nerd Bomber said, was we started watching Tiger King because... Why the heck not? Everyone else is doing it. And Except for me. I a lot of what seems what seems like a lot of the internet is siding with with Joe Exotic, who's kind of the the main guy, as he's innocent, free him. I I think he's kind of a jerk. I think he's a bad guy. I I mean he was overbreeding these tigers. I, I side with Carol on, on the tiger breeding side of it. I think they're all terrible people. So if you watch the show, there is not a single person on the show that is painted in a positive light. And I don't know if that's just because that's what the producers of this show decided to put in, like what kind of footage they used. But I mean, they dig pretty deep into some of these people's lives and none of them seem like good people. Like I would never want to be involved in the animal exotic world. A, first of all, because like I just think it's kind of wrong to be breeding exotic animals to sell them really quickly when they're useless to you but also like they're all terrible people and it's this like really intertwined super connected small world that i didn't even know existed like there is this weird exotic animal subculture kind of culty in some aspects like if if you haven't watched the show just watch the the episode about doc mantle and it will blow your mind how like people are super culty about exotic animals. And it is very strange. You could describe so, the show in three words. Tigers, meth, and polygamy. Is, is Yeah, like I and, and that's like most of what I've heard about it is I haven't seen a lot of people like defending Joe Exotic necessarily, but like I've seen people like w- laughing at it because he just what a strange group of individuals it's a cartoon character they're all cartoon characters yeah they're all they're all cartoon characters is, is that's my perspective of it not having watched it is that if you want to see a bunch of ridiculous people be ridiculous for ridiculous reasons then check this out which like granted that makes for great tv so I should the crazy thing to me was that i don't know if you remember the john oliver skit back in like the 2014 election where there was he made fun of a guy who was running for president as an independent who had like a mullet and was a tiger guy and that was joe exotic and he was like a hundred percent serious if you believe the show like he thought he had a chance to win president and then he ran to be governor 
And it was just like... He got one-fifth of the vote, which he shouldn't get any of the vote. It, it, right. it was just, Right, exactly. And it, to me, it was just strange because I hadn't put that together. I hadn't made the connection between that like five-minute skit on John Oliver and this person. Like, I didn't think it was a real person, to be honest. I thought John Oliver just like pulled some random joke internet video, but like it is a real person. And this entire world is just insane and bizarre. I can only imagine John Oliver talking about him based on what I've heard about him. And it must be something. So check out the Tiger King. Um, let me know if you side with Joe or if you side with Carol. I think she was involved in the disappearance of her husband. But as far as the way she treats tigers, I, I, I'm, I'm with her. I'm with Carol on that. So let, let me know your opinion. <laughs> May have okay. killed her husband, but nice to tigers. <laughs> yeah, geez. All right. Well, good to know. That's Yeah, that's out on Netflix now for anyone who wants to go watch. Um, I'm, I need to watch it at some point. At this point, if I want to have conversations with people, I, I need to watch it because everyone I know has watched it. So I'll get right on that. Um, but in the meantime, Nerd Bomber, I think you have a quiz for us today. Yeah, we have some wonderful tiger-related trivia for you guys. Well, Obviously, you know where we got the topic idea from. Um, Okay, so this is another Price is Right style trivia. We're kind of falling back into that pattern again, but with tigers, I felt like that was the the better way to do it because I don't know how much I could make up about tigers for a lie detector. I want to say off the top that Tactic has an unfair advantage here because he's r- watching a show about tigers. I have Arguably, no tiger exposure in my life. The show is really not about tigers at all. Like it is, but they're in the background. You don't really learn much about tigers. I've learned more about how to... <laughs> hook up with people with meth and and baby tigers than i did anything about baby tigers themselves let's find out if that's true all right so our first question and i will let tactic go first to give illegal a bit of an advantage on this first question that's right so an adult siberian tiger which is the largest subspecies of tiger can weigh up to how many pounds i actually know this um this was on a quiz that i hosted about cats a while back oh wow um sorry it is up to do you remember it because i don't remember it it was up to up to 450 pounds i mean yeah i think you probably do remember it i'm gonna guess 650 i'm just gonna go all the way all right so tactic you remembered wrong because illegal got this and it's 660 pounds so i thought that was i thought that was the liger no that is an adult siberian tiger thank you national geographic for that information that's what I'm talking about. I was very close. I actually almost busted. That would have been really disappointing. Yeah, that was very impressive. Okay, so the next question is an adult tiger can consume up to how many pounds of meat in one meal? Oh, okay. Um, it's 50 pounds. All right, Tactic, what do you got? 60 pounds. Okay, so Tactic gets this one. They can consume ah. up to 88 pounds of meat in one meal. And often... If they kill something out in the wild, they will stay with it so that they can spread it out over a few days. Oh, that's how I am with my dinner. You, you just keep the pounds. same plate around? I will stay there until the plate is empty. <laughs> and, and every time you eat, you eat 88 pounds of food. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have a tie game. <laughs> this next question is, at what age do tiger cubs reach their independence and leave their mother? This de- doesn't this depend on the tiger cub's personality? Like, I'm gonna go. Rebel? I'm gonna go with eleven months. Oh, that's All right, illegal. What do you think? It's way too soon. Um, it's it's eighteen months. It's a year and a half. 
All right, so Illegal gets another point. It's actually, on average, around two years that they will finally learn how to hunt and feel comfortable enough to leave their mother. 11 months? I mean, come on. Well, I was picturing there was a scene on... um, A scene with Joe Exotic where he was going of the profitability of tiger cubs and it was after 11 months. So what you're saying is that Tiger King is actually hurting you at this point in this this game. So I'm up by one. And so, yeah, let's continue. Okay, so the next question is, how long is a tiger's tail on average? Oh, boy. Um, Do I go first? Yeah, I go first. Uh, Keep it in the U.S. imperial system. Okay, it's two feet, three inches. Three feet. All right, so Tactic nails this one right on the Uh, nose. It's three feet long, and it helps them to balance when making tight turns. Fun factoid if you didn't know that that's how cat tails work. I was in the ballpark. Tactic is too powerful. Okay, so the next question. So now we're we're, we're tied now, right? I'm I'm losing track. It's a tied game, and I have four questions left. So white tigers are very rare. And they carry a gene that is only present in around one of every how many tigers? It's tactic, right? I'm trying to think how fraction how fractions work for a second. Yeah, sure. Take your time. Uh, it's been a long, long quarantine. I'm gonna go one in every 300 tigers. Oh, see, I yeah, I might bust, but I'm going for it. Uh, I'm gonna go one in every 10,000. That is another one right on the nose. Wow. One in every 10,000 tigers carry a gene that is for rare white tiger skin for stuff. So way to go. You guys are way really go. good at this. Yeah. We're, no, we know, we know tigers. We know tigers. All right. The next one is how fast have tigers been known to run? What is like their top speed in miles per hour? Boy. Okay. Well, if they can get up to 660 pounds... And they eat 88 pounds of meat in one sitting. I feel like it can't be very fast. Um, I'm going to say 48 miles per hour. All right, Texan, what do you think? So a cheetah tops out at 60 miles an hour, and I don't think they're only 10 miles less. I think it's going to be a little bit lower. I'm going to go... No, che- cheetah's like 60, 68 or something. Cheetah's, cheetah's a little just, more just, than that. Just relax. I'm going to go okay, 35 I'm, I'm miles per hour. All right, so Illegal actually busted on this one. They can reach, on average, around 40 miles per hour. Oh, God, that was so close. All right. So we're back to a tie game. We have two questions left. I was closer, though. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do... Get your tiebreaker ready. Yeah, I'm going to do one question left. Actually, no, that doesn't work. Because I I like the last question. We're just going to go for it, and we're going to maybe have to come up with a tiebreaker on the fly. Yeah, we'll make it happen. When do tiger cubs start learning how to hunt? Like at what age or like what month of the year? At what age? <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go eleven months. Wait, I think it was my turn to go first, but I'll I'll take the I'll take the advantage. Um, you went first on the last question. You guessed sixty. You guessed like forty-eight. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Um, and you said eleven months again. Yeah. At what age do they first start learning to hunt? You know what? It's six months. It's sooner. How six months. are you like reading my mind? Do you have my sheet of paper in front of you? Because you nailed this no. one too. Is it it's six months? It is six months. Yes, it, it, that's true. Oh my God. The back and forth continues. So it's four this to is, three. We have another question. 
This could make it uneven, but I do, I guess, have a, a little no, tiebreaker that is kind of unfair. But so Hercules, the largest non-obese liger, is recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the largest living cat on Earth. How much does he weigh? Uh, okay, we, I have a, I have some questions. Really, just one. What is non-obese? I'm, like, how do they qualify that? Just I not don't pudgy? know. I mean, yeah, it, they it's... probably measure like body fat percentage or something like that. They can do that with animals. Okay, so how much does the world's largest largest liger weigh? The world's heaviest cat, really. Um. Well, boy, I'm telling you, this is a four-digit number. Uh I'm going to say 1,200 pounds. All right, Tactic, what do you got? I think you actually hit the nail on the head, but just in case, I think you also might have busted. I'm trying to remember this because this was also a question on the cat's one. I'm going to go 900 pounds. Okay, so Tactic is this right. It's 922 pounds. Oh, my goodness. And Insane. the owner of this t- liger is Doc Antle, who was featured... On Tiger King. He's got like seven wives. Yeah. So (laughs) the tiebreaker that I'm going to ask you is not is a liger real because we know that it is. Yes. But how is a liger created? I need to know the gender and animal of each animal, I guess, in the pair. Okay. Uh, Wait, well, should Tactic go first? Should we just go at the same time or something? The tiebreakers is pretty intense. I guess whoever wants to go first. Female tiger, male. Uh, sorry, female lion, male tiger. All right. Well, I, I was going to say that, but for the purposes of, of the game, I will say the exact opposite. So male tiger, female lion. Or wait, no, that's what wait, you that, said, right? That's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the opposite is. So male lion, female tiger is what I will say. Okay. So, dun, 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 dun. Illegal wins this one. The liger oh. is a hybrid offspring of a male lion and a female tiger. The opposite is a tigon, which is a slightly smaller animal than the liger. And that is a female lion and a male tiger. Both of these animals are not existing in nature for the most part. They're human bred. And they usually have a bunch of like genetic deficiencies, which is sad. But... There you go. They are bigger than their parents usually and interesting. Very interesting. So so I won by basically deferring my answer because Tactic answered first. So actually, Tactic. actually, I was, so at first I was thinking the female lion is bigger, but my, so my favorite animal is actually a tiger. And I remember being a kid finding out that the female tiger was bigger and I should have known that. So I would I have guessed up. I would have guessed female lion, male tiger because in the name it's li- it's lions first and ladies first so that's what that was my uh, methodology but clearly i i went better i did better going the other way uh, because of the patriarchy so male lion female tiger wins it so i'll be administering the quiz next week can't wait um and we hope to see you guys back here all of all of the listeners well i hope to see the co-host back here too i would hate to have to do this by myself um but no, we will be back next week. Um, we would love for you to come back and join us. And in the meantime, if you want to leave us some feedback, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And again, if you want, just hit us up on the social meds uh, at our Twitter handles, OWIllegal86, OWNerdBomber, at OWTactic. Um, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Adios.